Hey folks, Randy Newberg here with another episode of Leupold's Hunt Talk Radio. This is one of the bonus podcasts we do every spring, every winter, when we're trying to remind people about upcoming deadlines and give them an overview of how these western state drawings work. The reason we do that is because the first step of coming out west and hunting, or if you live out west, the first step of going hunting in maybe one of the neighboring states is to draw a tag. And drawing a tag is going to be more and more complex as states have, well, every state has different rules, different processes, different types of point systems or no point systems or whatever. So today we're going to cover Arizona because that deadline is February 11th and we want to make sure nobody misses that deadline. Uh, And we're going to go over the details, uh, give you some overviews of strategy, uh, basics of how the draw works. But this will be a really good uh, reminder more than it is absolute fine, fine details. Um, We'll throw in a few nuggets in here, but uh, the other place to get really good information on it is our YouTube channel. Every year we do YouTube videos about Arizona. Uh, We already released the one for Arizona this year. It's quite similar to the one from last year and the year before. Um, The other place that I tell people is Go Hunt Insider. Uh, Go there and sign up for the Insider. Their strategy articles are unbelievable. They're so much more detailed than what this podcast is. Uh, But when you sign up for the Insider at GoHunt.com, you get $50 of store credit by using promo code Randy. And when you use promo code Randy, you're also in the drawing for a Wyoming commissioner's tag for anyone using that promo code from July 1 of 19 to June 30th of 2020. So, some of you probably didn't even know you were in that drawing. And uh, only thing you gotta do, sign up for Insider at GoHunt.com and use promo code Randy and you're in. Uh, thanks, Leupold. Leupold.com. Go out there, check out all their optics. Uh, appreciate them making it possible. And then also Onyx Maps. Again, promo code Randy out at Onyx Maps is going to save you 20%. So, let's talk Arizona. Uh, the deadline that is coming up here February 11th of 2020 is for elk and antelope. And then in June, they'll have another deadline for deer and bighorn sheep. And then in October, they'll have another deadline for their spring hunts of turkey and javelina. And I can't remember where bison and some of the other more obscure species fall in there. But anyhow, know that Arizona has three different draw deadlines. This one we're talking about right now that we're making sure that you don't forget about is the elk, also the antelope. But most people, I'd say most non-residents, focus on elk in Arizona. I know that's my primary focus. But then when I buy my non-resident hunting license, I put in for all those other draws. And then in January, I go down to take advantage of their over-the-counter archery deer hunts, some quail hunting, jackrabbits, or whatever. So a lot of value to be had out of that non-resident license, which you have to have a non-resident license before you apply for the Arizona draw. And you have to have a non-resident license on the day the draw is conducted. So some people try this trick and I don't do it because it's just too big of a risk for what the consequences could be. Some people try to time the day of, oh, if I buy it on this day, I can use it for this year's application and then I can use it for next year's application. Uh, 
okay if you want to try that you go ahead it's gonna if it works you're gonna pay hundred and sixty dollars every two years instead of hundred and sixty dollars every year uh, I just go buy it because I know I'm gonna be down there hunting but for some people they they try to do it that way I wouldn't suggest it because the other thing we all know that all the western states when you wait until the last day what happens websites have crashed so don't wait until the morning of February 11th get this done beforehand uh, I'm doing this podcast today is January 28th and I've already got my Arizona applications in so regular adult non-resident hunting license you need $160 youth ages 10 to 17 if you have a youth in your house even the non-resident youth license is only $5 yeah if you wonder how it is that my son, who's 29, has such a big sack full of points in Arizona, it's because by the time he was 17, he already had eight points, I think, seven or eight points in Arizona. And I took advantage of that really inexpensive youth license. Uh, if you draw, which you hope you draw, uh, the price for the elk tag, or permit, I think they call it there, is $650. And the antelope is $550. And every year, I'm praying that I see a $650 charge on my credit card when the Arizona draw results come out. So, to apply, you got to buy the license for $160. You have the application fee per species, which is $15. Um, and then, if you want this other thing called point guard, uh, you pay five bucks and what it does is kind of like buying insurance that if you have some work conflict or family conflict and you can't make the hunt once every five years you can use this point guard feature and you can turn your tag back in and have your points restored so for five bucks if you're a really busy person it might be worth the i guess investment or the insurance to do that um that's that that's the only up that is the upfront fee cost it's the 160 license and the 15 dollars application fee per species then if you are drawn that's when your credit card gets hit for the other price of 650 for elk and 550 for deer um arizona has a true bonus point system with a few variations to it and i'll get into that um just quick overview remember preference points are he or she with the most points gets a tag bonus points like arizona for the most part is a bonus point is like a raffle ticket if you have five raffle tickets and i have one the probability of you winning the raffle is five times greater than it is the probability of me winning the raffle it just it's how bonus points work um so with that let's talk about how the system works uh, in Arizona, how they conduct the draw. But I don't want to forget about this piece. Uh, so before we get into how the draw is conducted, remember that Arizona gives you, I think, four or five choices, but your only real choices of any value or importance are your first and second choice. So Arizona looks at choice number one and choice number two before they go on to the next person. Whereas a lot of the states you maybe that you live in or that you apply in, they look at all the first choices of everybody and then they come back and see if there are any tags left over for second choice. Well, that's a pretty unique thing in Arizona that you get to look at your first choice and then they'll look at your second choice before they move on. And here's where that strategy comes into play 
had worked for me in 2005. I this that year I ended up drawing an early rifle elk tag in Unit 10. I got to hunt elk in the rut with a rifle in Unit 10 because I made one of my well not one of I made my first choice a swing for the fences kind of choice an early rifle hunt and I always make my second choice something way more reasonable I love the late rifle hunts in Arizona so that's usually my second choice because they're much easier to draw and so think about that and use that strategy as a way to maybe leverage it's kind of hedging your bet I guess you're taking one choice to say, well, if I got the low random number this year, I'd really like to go on this hunt. But I also really like to hunt in Arizona, so my second choice, I'm going to be a little more reasonable in what hunt code I pick, and those odds are going to be way better. And it's just a way to, I guess, you know, take advantage of how that system is structured and cover all your bases. You just never know when you're going to be the lucky holder of that lowest random number or one of the one of the low random numbers um, so now to get into how the system works Arizona has two phases of their draw they have phase one and phase two um, some people call the first part the the bonus pass round and the second part the one two pass I'm gonna call them phase one and phase two so just know that those terms are somewhat interchangeable if you hear someone say bonus pass or whatever but for this purpose, I'm going to try visually explain it in my mind's eye the same way that these really good graphics can illustrate it in the Go Hunt system. Um, but think about it this way. The, there's two parts to the draw, and every applicant goes into the first part. The first part of the draw in phase one, they take 20% of the tags for every hunt code, and they put it in phase one of the draw. And they treat your bonus points almost like preference points. Where, uh, I'll use an example. All right, this hunt code, the top point holder had 20 points. Boom, that person gets a tag. Tag hold, or uh, point holder, there were two point holders at the 19 point level. Boom, they get a tag. Well, the next point holder had 16, and there's one tag left. Boom, they get a tag. But then they get to the people with 15 points and below, there are no tags left. Sorry, too bad for you. So that's how the first part gets treated as pretty much a, a preference point system. And they do that for every hunt code. And then anyone who did not draw in phase one gets mo moved over into phase two of the draw where the remaining 80% of the tags are allocated under a bonus point system, a true bonus point system. So now I'm sitting at low points this year, so the odds are I'm not drawing in the first round. I'm I'm going to be in that, that first phase, but I'm not going to draw. So they're going to throw me over into the second part of the draw, just like most of us will be over in the second part of the draw. Now they're going to look at how many bonus points do I have. Okay, I've got four bonus points. That means I get four random numbers plus one random number for the current year application. So I have five random numbers. They look at which of my five are the lowest random number. 
and that's the number that I go into this draw with. I, they, they say, all right, Randy, your lowest random number is this. This is, you know, where you stand in line, for lack of a better way of saying it. Everybody, they go through that process. If someone has 20 points, you get 20 random numbers and one for the current year. So you get 21 random numbers. And they pick your lowest of the 21, and that's the number that you go to stand in line with. And uh, then they run the whole process again. The remaining 80% of the tags, instead of now being allocated to the person with the most points, they get allocated to the person with the lowest random number, and then the second lowest random number, and the third, and so on and so on, until all the tags are allocated. So... It's, it probably sounds more complex than it really is, but there's some strategy to that in that if, if you're a really, really high point holder, maybe you think you're going to draw in the first part, and then you would make sure you're not wasting points on something that you, you know, it's like, well... It only took five points and I got 18. Why did I put that as either my first or second choice? Because I know in the second part of the draw, I'm going to be way above any other point holder for that lower level hunt. So if you get a lot of points, be careful how you use them in the first part of the draw. If you don't have a lot of points, know that you still have a chance in the second part of the draw and use those two choices accordingly. Now, Non-residents were subject to 10% of the tags. Can never get more than 10% to non-residents, but it's split between the phase one and phase two of the draw, where phase one, no more than half of the non-resident quota can be filled in phase one of the draw. So that, let's use an example. Phase one of the draw, early hunt in unit 10, the one I drew in 2005, the five, the, the, a ton of non-residents applied there, so the 5% quota is filled uh, at the non-resident level in the first phase. That means no more than 5% more can go to non-residents in the second phase. But let's say we get down to one of the easier to draw late archery hunts. Well, in the first part of the draw, only 2% of those tags went to non-residents. So when we get to the second phase of the draw, up to 8% of those tags can go to non-residents, so that never can more than the sum of phase 1 and phase 2 be more than 10%, and never can the total amount given in phase 1 exceed 5%. So it's just Arizona's way of making sure every non-resident has some statistical chance, albeit possibly a small statistical chance, but we have a chance. So... Uh, there's two ways to get extra bonus points. Um, one is the hunter ed point. That's a permanent point. Once you get that hunter ed point, it never goes away. And I'll use the example. Uh, I'd taken hunter ed in Minnesota and in Montana. And I found out that, oh, all I got to do is go to Arizona and take a field day. So I fly to Kingman, Arizona, do a little quail hunt and take the field day. That year, 2007, I'm now in the max level for the deer draw, and I drew the Arizona Strip. If I hadn't taken that extra time uh, to go get that hunter ed point, I would not have drawn the Arizona Strip tag that year. So there's another way 
that you can get an extra bonus point. It's called the loyalty point. And that is Arizona rewarding their loyal applicants. So if you have been applying for a species for five consecutive years, after that fifth year, you get an extra point. So year one, you're unsuccessful, you get a bonus point. Year two, you get a bonus point, da-da-da-da-da. Year five, you're unsuccessful, you get your bonus point for that year. Plus, now you have a what's called a loyalty bonus point. And as long as you don't have a break in service, for lack of a better way of saying it, uh, a break in your applications, that loyalty point will stay there. So uh, I'll use an example. 2017, I drew Arizona elk. My points got reset to zero, except for the fact that I had the permanent hunter ed point and I had a loyalty point. So I didn't draw an 18, so now I've got three points. I didn't draw a 19, so going into 20, I've got four points, even though I drew a tag two years ago. So just something you should think about if it fits your time and calendar. And actually, they it's out on their website. They made it a little bit easier to get the hunter ed point now than when I did it. When I did it, you had to go sit through this really, really long class uh, to qualify for the field day, take a test, all that. Um, I think it's, I think they've made it a little bit easier now. Um, so the other thing people always ask, what's the restriction on muzzleloaders? Um, there really are none. I think if you can put it to your shoulder and you can pull the trigger, um, you can use scopes, uh, you can all use all kinds of powders, ignition systems, you name it, you can use it in Arizona. And then with archery, Arizona has one of the lowest uh, draw weight requirements I'm familiar with. You, know, you only have to draw 30 pounds draw weight on your bow. Uh, your broadhead has to have seven eighths of an inch of cutting, uh, surf, not surface, uh, width uh, is what I should say. Um, yeah, that's, that's the basics of how it works. Those are some of the small little things that Arizona does. There if you're looking at elk, and most people are primarily hunting elk in Arizona or applying for elk, and then you say, well, since I'm there, I call it a sensuous application. Since you were supplying for elk, you may as well apply for pronghorn. That's a sensuous application. Um, the, the fact that most people are applying for elk is why most of our questions related to Arizona are elk related questions. They don't take paper applications anymore. Um, you want to make sure that you update your credit card. Um, I think this year the credit card deadline date is February 27th. Check that. Uh, check and make sure, but don't be one of those people who have a bum credit card in the system because there's only online applications, and if you have a bum credit card that gets compromised, you're not going to get a tag. You're not going to get a point. You might even lose your loyalty point. Ooh, yeah, that just all that just sounds really, really bad. Um, Arizona doesn't have landowner tags or any of the other transferable tags. Uh, I think they have a system where you can transfer it, uh, possibly to a grandchild, if I remember right and uh, possibly to one of the, I think, a disabled vet 
there's some groups that do really, really great work with that, uh, and it makes that a possible tag transfer. I think this year the deadline that they're saying for results is going to be March 23rd. They usually are very punctual about that. Arizona doesn't often miss their deadline, as we know some of the states, uh, they miss that deadline. Um, yeah, I think that covers most of Arizona. I'm trying to think of what I might have forgot. I'm sure I did. Oh, I know what it is. Uh, but before I get to the last piece, uh, remember, if you sign up with the Insider News promo code Randy, uh, you're in that uh, Wyoming Commissioner's Tag draw. And I want to see how many people end up in that draw. That'd be really cool. You just We're going to give you the tag, and you just go do your thing. No strings attached. Just have at it. Um, but I wanted to talk about these things called limited opportunity hunts. And we've filmed three hunts in Arizona on limited opportunity tags. Uh, we shot two bulls, and I should have shot a third one, but I got greedy and passed on it. Um, so we should have been three for three. But here's the deal with limited opportunity. If you go down through the Arizona regulations, and you will see that uh, they have something at the bottom of the elk segment called limited opportunity hunts. The ones that say that the tag is good for any elk, not the bull only, but the any elk ones, and I appreciate those of you who remind me of this because sometimes I say all the limited opportunity hunts are exempt from the 10% cap. It's only the ones that are any elk. So uh, if you wonder how we draw a lot of Arizona tags, uh, very often, one of my second choices is a limited opportunity hunt that is for any elk because then I know that 10% cap is not going to apply. Um, my biggest regret, I lived in Arizona for two years when I went to college and uh, my regret is that I did not buy a lifetime license when I lived there because if you bought a lifetime license, even if you moved away, you're exempt from the 10% cap that way also. Yeah, stupid, Randy. Absolutely stupid. But, oh well. That's how it goes. Arizona has tons and tons and tons of public land. Most any place you're going to draw an elk tag in Arizona, you're not going to have an access issue. But it's still really good to have your on-ex system with you. Um, as they say, know where you stand. Um, that's... That's just super, super helpful. Uh, and then, as a general rule, this is not a uh, hundred percent consistent, but it's the general rule. The hardest tags to draw in Arizona will be the early rifle tags. I mean, who doesn't want to hunt in Arizona with a rifle in the rut? I mean, I do, but the the odds are so slim. Following that, the next hardest group of tags to draw are the early muzzleloader tags, where you're kind of the same season dates of September, but you're hunting with a muzzleloader. The, the archery tags in September would be that next group of tags as far as difficulty to draw. And the, it's purely a function of the quality of the hunt also, both in terms of the age class of the animals and the few number of tags, so that you know you're gonna have a great experience. The late rifle and late archery hunts, depending on the unit, they're 
Usually the late rifle are a little harder to draw than the late archery. The late archery are in November. So when you're thinking about your applications, understand that that's sort of the general manner in which the, uh, the probabilities go from lowest to highest. And also when the quality of the hunt and the quality of the experience go from highest to lowest. But that said, I don't think there is a bad hunt in Arizona. If, if Arizona has a bad elk hunt, I've yet to see it. And I've, between tags I've drawn and hunts I've helped on, I've been on a lot of them. Um, so I hope you don't miss a deadline, February 11th. Uh, go out to our YouTube channel, watch this year's video or prior year's videos. Uh, not much has really changed. Oh, I, did I talk about tag cuts? That has changed. Arizona, so I, I do so many podcasts and so many videos. If I've already said this, my apologies, but always go and download the regulations from that state. And Arizona posts what will be the tag quotas for the upcoming year. Well, there's a lot of units, especially the late rifle hunts, that are going to have less tags this year. And that is a testament to the quality of management Arizona does. Some people get upset, oh, gee, they cut tags, blah, 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 blah. Well, I like to know that Arizona is taking their surveys, their harbor surveys, and doing the right thing with it. I like to know they're doing their aerial flights and surveys of bull-to-calf ratios, uh, cow-to-calf ratios. They take all that stuff, and they put it in their models, and they actually adjust the numbers. Some years they adjust it up. And those are the years I draw odds get better than the prior year. And then some years, they have to adjust it down to stay within the confines of what their management strategies are. So this year, pay attention. Quite a few of the units are going to see pretty big cuts and tags, at least the late rifle hunts. So I think I've wore us out, folks. Really appreciate you listening. Um, hopefully you draw a tag. I just hope that if you do, that it's not my tag. I know that sounds selfish, and it is, but uh, I want to go to Arizona this year. So February 11th, buy your license, get online, apply, and good luck.